You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 3, we're going through the book of Jeremiah. We finished off last Wednesday with chapter 2, and I want to begin reading in Jeremiah chapter 3. And by the way, if you miss a, uh, a, a service, especially as we're in the Bible study going through the book, uh, you can always go back on our Facebook page, on our website, and also uh, Brother Caleb just has set up for us a podcast, and that's something you can go and listen to, you can download, and if that's easier for you, um, all of this high-tech stuff, if you have a question about it, you can see Brother uh, Dan or Brother Caleb or Brother Nathan, they know all about that stuff. I don't know much about it. But uh, I'm glad we have it, and I hope it's a blessing. Jeremiah 3, verse 1, they say, If a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith the who? The Lord. This is God speaking. This is God speaking to His people, and He uses the example of a marriage. We saw that in Jeremiah chapter 2. Remember verse number 32, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Uh, a bride would, would have that, that wedding gown or she would have the, uh, those keepsakes that she would save from the wedding or, or she would have those ornaments or those decorations that she would save. And that was to remind her of what should have been the greatest day of her life. And God says, a maid or a bride are not going to forget those things, but yet you, the people of Judah, the people of God, he said, you have forgotten me days without number. It's been so long, God said it, you can't even keep track of how long it's been. Verse number one of chapter three, God likens the relationship to Judah again to that of a marriage relationship. But God says that his people had been unfaithful. They had played the harlot with many lovers. Verse number seven. And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous, that word treacherous means deceitful. It means uh, unfaithful. It literally means to be unfaithful, but to try to hide it and to try to cover it. And God says, Israel has been unfaithful. Judah has been unfaithful. Verse number 12, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Verse number 14, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Verse 22, return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. We read in these verses in chapter 3, and the, the message continues into chapter 4, 5, and 6. I don't think we'll get to those chapters tonight. 
But we read in these verses, every one of these verses, it talked about Judah either being unfaithful or being backslidden or being away from God. But it's amazing that in every one of these verses, we find the remedy. Aren't you so glad that God does not just show us the problem and then say, figure it out on your own? Aren't you glad God doesn't leave it up to us? Aren't you glad that God does not abandon us? God doesn't just diagnose the problem, but God gives the prescription for us to take. He gives a remedy. If you've ever been in the doctor's office or if you've ever been uh, in that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, surgery waiting area, you've ever had someone come out and they say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. If you've ever had a doctor say, I'm sorry, there's no cure. I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do to help you. Can I tell you, those are some sad and disappointing and discouraging words to hear. When somebody says, it's bad and there's no hope. It's bad and there's no remedy. Well, for the people of Judah, it was bad. It was very bad. They were backslidden. They had been unfaithful to God. They had turned their back on God. But I'm glad to tell you tonight that there is a remedy. There is a solution. There is something that can be done for every person that gets away from God, for every person who's ever been backslidden, for every person that's ever been a prodigal, for every Christian that's ever been cold or, or callous, or maybe we've gone through times where we've become casual. Maybe there have been times in your Christian life where you've been defeated and maybe you've been depressed and maybe you've been indifferent and maybe you've been hardened. I've got some good news for you tonight. You don't have to stay that way. There is hope and there is help in God and there is a remedy. The remedy is found in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse number 1, the end of the verse. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. The remedy is found in verse 7, turn thou unto me. The remedy is in verse number 12, return thou backsliding Israel. Verse 14, turn, O backsliding children. Verse number 22, return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts and help us to learn, and may we be helped, may we be encouraged from this message that Jeremiah preached to the people of Judah, or people who were backslidden, people who had not necessarily gone off into terrible, wicked sins yet, but they had already begun to drift. They had already begun to grow cold and hardened to the things of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from their mistakes, help us to learn from this. Lord, help us to stay close to you. But Lord, if there's someone here tonight that maybe has gotten away from you, I pray that they would return. If there's someone tonight who's listening uh, to this service, I pray that they would return. I pray they would get back to you. I pray that they would come home and get things right with you. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The remedy for the saved person who has wandered from God, the remedy for the person who has been born again but they've become backslidden, the remedy is to return to God. Now, the remedy for the lost person is different. The remedy for the lost person is 
You just need to get saved. You just need to come to Jesus. You just need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. That is a gift that you must be willing to receive. For the backslidden person, for the person who's saved but away from God, the remedy for that person is to come back to God. Now, you've, you've seen the illustration before. It says in James chapter 4, it says, draw nigh to God and he will do what? He'll draw nigh to you. And so when you and I, when we are backslidden, God is not going to come and he's not going to grab you or, and, and put you in a chokehold and drag you back to your Bible reading. He's not going to drag you back to your prayer closet. He's not going to drag you back to church. Now, sometimes he'll do some things to get our attention. Sometimes there's some chastening. Sometimes there's some discipline. Sometimes there's some, some, some judgment that comes that God uses to get our attention. But God's going to let you make the first move to come back to him. Can I tell you why? Because he never left. And his love for you has never wavered. And his love for you has always been there. And he begs and he pleads for you to come back home. That's the remedy for the backslidden person. This is the remedy for Judah. Notice in verse number one, Judah had played the harlot with many lovers. This was not a one-time offense. And by the way, if we're honest... And we maybe we say tonight, we say, boy, I feel like I'm in a backslidden condition or I feel like I'm not as close to God as I used to be. For most of us, we'd have to say it's not the first time. But aren't you glad that God is faithful again and again and again? And aren't you glad that God is merciful again and again and again? And we, we fall down and he picks us up again. And we fall down and he picks us up again. Aren't you glad that God is faithful even when we are not? Notice verse number three. It says, therefore, the showers have been withholden and there hath been no latter rain. The Bible tells us that because of God's people, their condition, the rain had been held back. That was a, a sign in Bible times as a sign of God's judgment. Now, I'll tell you, I still believe in 2019, I believe that there are things that God sends to us that are God's judgment. I'm not saying every hurricane and every earthquake and every tornado and every tsunami and every drought is because of some, some sin, but I'll tell you, I think in some cases it is. I think it's God trying to get our attention. God was trying to get the attention of His people. But notice verse 3, in the middle of the verse, it says, And thou hadst a whore's forehead. There we see again the reference to a harlot or a whore, someone who has, been, uh, who has been immoral and someone who has been unfaithful. And it says this, thou refusest to be ashamed. You know, here's what was so sad for the people of Judah. Not only were they unfaithful to God, not only were they backslid, not only had they played the harlot in their relationship with God, but here's what's so scary. It didn't even phase them. It didn't even bother them. They, they didn't even blush. They were not even ashamed. Uh, they they didn't, even, didn't even care. I'll tell you this. You ought to thank the Lord every day that when you sin, you're uncomfortable. You ought to thank the Lord every day that when you hear a curse word, it bothers you. 
You ought to thank the Lord every day when you hear the music of the world uh, blaring the vulgarities and blaring the obscenities. You ought to thank the Lord that the Holy Spirit of God inside of you says you don't want to listen to that stuff. And, and, and you're not comfortable with that. You ought to thank the Lord uh, that, that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin because if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, we can get to a point where we tune out the Holy Spirit so many times that we can't even hear Him speaking anymore. God's people, they were not even ashamed of their sin. They were not even uh, uh, embarrassed by it. It didn't even bother them. I'll tell you this, for the child of God, we need to get back to a holiness and a godliness and a righteousness, and we ought to get back to a, a hatred and a disdain for sin and for wickedness and for filthiness, and this world is full of all of that. But they were not even ashamed. didn't bother them anymore. Verse number 6. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. I remind you that the nation of Israel was one kingdom under King Saul. It was one kingdom under David. It was one kingdom under Solomon. But after Solomon's reign, his, uh, the kingdom was passed down to Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And because Rehoboam did not listen to the counsel and the advice of the older, wiser men, he followed the advice of his peers, the kingdom was divided, the kingdom split between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Jeroboam took what we would refer to as the ten uh, northern tribes, which is Israel, and Rehoboam had the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And so from that time on, you have the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, and they're separate. Well, Israel was even more wicked than Judah, and Israel had already gone into captivity to Assyria. Uh, Judah would soon go into Babylonian captivity. But God is saying, he says, why didn't you learn from the example of Israel? Why didn't you see that Israel backslid and they were judged? Why did you think you were going to get away with it? And by the way, uh, we, don't, we don't do this to, to, to say, aha. We don't do this to say we're better than anybody. We ought to do it with a broken heart. But sometimes we ought to look around and we ought to remember people that got away from God and people that decided to do their own thing and live their own way and see the result of that and say, I don't want to go down that path. I'll tell you this, I've never met anybody that backslid and got away from God and uh, they got to the end of the road and said, boy, I'm so glad I got away from God. I've never met anybody like that. I've never met anyone that said, you know, I'm tired of going to church and reading my Bible and praying and serving God. I think I'll just go out and, and I'll live immoral and I'll live wicked and I'll drink and I'll do drugs. And boy, I'm going to be so happy with that life. No, you know what that life brings? Scars, regrets, heartache, misery. Can I tell you, nobody has ever gotten away from God. Nobody's ever backslid and got to the end of the road and said, I'm so glad I did that. But we should learn should we not, from people we have known and people we have seen, and we should learn from the example of those who have gone down that path. Israel should have learned, but they did not. Excuse me, Judah should have learned, but they did not learn from Israel. Uh, verse number seven. 
Israel was given the opportunity to return to God, but she would not listen. Verse number seven, and I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. God said, I gave Israel the chance to return and to get right, and she didn't, and you saw it, but you didn't learn from it. Verse number eight, Israel backslid, and the Bible says in verse number eight, and I saw, went for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery. I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Isn't it amazing that, again, Judah did not take notice from what Israel had done and the mistakes that Israel had made, but Judah did the same thing. Verse number nine, we see it says, and it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly, or, or, or in a, a fake, or in a phony manner, saith the Lord. Verse number uh, 11. And the Lord said unto me, the backsliding Israel justified herself more than treacherous Judah. We see that God's people backslid, and then they justified it. They, they, they acted as if it was not a big deal. Verse number 12, return thou backsliding Israel. There's the remedy. Hey, you just got to get back to God. You just got to get right with God. And it says, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. It was the start of the great awakening that Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon. And the title of that sermon that he preached, that he read in monotone, the title of that sermon was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, I'm thankful that God is a God of mercy. And I say, hallelujah for that. And I'm so glad God is a God of love. And I say, hallelujah for that. But if you reject God's mercy, and if I reject God's mercy, and we reject God's love, there will come a day when we will experience the anger and the wrath of God. That's true for people who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. The mercy of God is extended. The love of God is extended. But if someone rejects that mercy and rejects that love, they will experience the wrath of God when they stand before the great white throne judgment. There is judgment coming. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. You see, it's not just the lost people that experience the judgment of God. It is also saved people. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, this book is written to the people of Judah. It's written to God's people. And these are people that knew the Lord, but these are people that turned their back on God and God gave them chance after chance after chance and opportunity and He gave them opportunity to get right and opportunity to repent and they did not. Guess what happened? There came a day that the Babylonian army came and barged in and knocked down the walls and burned the city and took the people captive and killed many and destroyed Jerusalem because they did not receive the mercy of God while they could have. 
and they found out that eventually God will judge sin. You see, there are consequences for backsliding. Now, I hope that we'll just get right with God before we have to suffer those consequences. But there are consequences for not getting right with God. There are consequences for committing spiritual adultery. Now, let's talk about this. We talked a little bit about it in Jeremiah 2. But it's interesting that God uses the example of adultery and the example of marriage and the example of a harlot or a whore in referring to His people. You see, in the Old Testament, the Bible very clearly says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I think I, I, think I read that somewhere. Kind of sounds like one of the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. You say, oh, well, that's just Old Testament. Well, guess what? The New Testament is even more serious. The New Testament, Jesus said, hey, you want to say the Old Testament that that's old and that's uh, done away with? Oh, no, I got news for you. We're not dismissing the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus said this. If a man looks on a woman to lust after her in his heart, he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And I tell you what, Jesus, Jesus was not a pushover preacher. Jesus was not just coming and saying, y'all just do whatever you want. Y'all live however you want. Oh, no. Can I tell you, he preached and he taught. So this idea of adultery, God's people knew that adultery was sin. God's people knew that they were not to commit adultery. And so now God tells his people, he says, you've committed spiritual adultery. Now, let's, let's take it to what we know from the New Testament. In the New Testament, we know that adultery is not just the act, but adultery is actually something that starts in your heart and in your mind. So, stay with me here. So, God's people may have been thinking, in some cases, they might have been thinking, we're good, we're not worshiping idols Yet, we're not forsaking God yet. But can I tell you what was happening? They were already playing it out in their minds. They were already thinking about it. They were already heading that direction. They were already turning their back on God. And in their heart, they'd already stopped worshiping God. You see, in a marriage, you vowed that you would love your wife. That was part of the vows. At least it was for us that I would love her and keep her and cherish her and, and cleave to her only from this day forward. That was a commitment that I made. You vowed that you would love your wife. So here's the question. Do you still love her? You say, well, I'm still with her. And let me tell you, it's not easy, you know, whatever. But well, that wasn't the question. The question is, do you still love her? You see, you should, and I should, because we've been commanded by God, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So in the Christian life, you can be in church. You can have your Bible tucked up under your arm. You can be in your place. You can be going through the motions, but you could have your heart a million miles away. 
And by the way, I think you ought to still come to church even when you don't feel like it. Just like I think you ought to stay married even when you don't feel like it. And just like I think you ought to love and care for your wife or love and care for your husband even on the bad days. But here's what I'm saying. In many cases, we are committing spiritual adultery against the Lord and we're still in church. And we're still carrying our Bible. But it's all show. It's all on the outside. So here's the question tonight as we're talking about the people of Judah. Is it possible that maybe we are in that same category? Have you lost your love for the Lord? Remember when you used to love reading the Bible. Remember when you used to love to pray. Remember when you, you, you couldn't wait to get to your prayer closet and you couldn't wait to get to your Bible time. And remember when you used to love to come to church and boy, you used to get something out of it. Boy, your, your heart was stirred just from the singing. Boy, your heart was stirred just from the special music. Your heart was stirred and, and, and maybe the preacher wasn't the best, but, but there was something that he said from the Bible and you said, that's what I need. And God spoke to you. Remember how that was? Maybe you've lost your love for the Lord. Maybe you've lost your love for the Bible. We sing that song, I love the old Bible. Do you? You ought to. And I ought to. And we ought to read it whether we love it or not. We ought to read it and pray that God would give us the love back. But do you love the Bible? Do you love serving God? Can I tell you, backsliding, just like adultery, backsliding always starts in the heart. And what we would like to do is we would like to catch it and correct it before it's played out. We would like to catch the backsliding before you walk out the back door and before you quit on God and before you throw in the towel and before you go and serve other gods and other things. We'd like to catch it sooner and say, hey, don't go that route. Don't do that. You see, the world doesn't have anything to offer. Now, that's what God saved you from. God is the only one that brings satisfaction and joy. And God is the only one that brings contentment. Don't leave him. Don't get away from him. But it starts in the heart. Verse number 12. I'm glad that God says, I am merciful. I'm so glad that God is merciful. Verse number 13. Only acknowledge thine iniquity. Now, let me say this. Backsliding. The remedy for the backslider is to do what did we say? It's to return. The remedy for the backslider is to return to God. So if we're going to return to God, we have to acknowledge that there's a problem. We have to be willing to identify and say, okay, there's a problem. Maybe your problem is this. Maybe your problem is what you watch on the television. Maybe that's a problem. It's gotten you away from God in your heart. Maybe it's the music you listen to. Maybe it's the friends that you hang out with. Maybe it's the places you go. Uh, maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your gossiping tongue that that has caused you to be backslidden because you can't be happy for anybody or anything. You're always critical. You're always upset. You're always looking for everything to point out. With. I don't know what it is, but you first have to acknowledge it. You have to admit that there's a problem. Verse 13, only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. That word transgress, notice with me in chapter 5 and verse number 23. It says, but this people hath a revolting 
and a rebellious heart. That's what the word transgress means. It means to rebel and to revolt against God. And you have to acknowledge it. You have to admit it. You have to say, Lord, it is me. I have transgressed. I have rebelled against you. Uh, I have revolted against you. Maybe you say, I have rebelled against God. I'm not a witness. And I know I'm supposed to be. Maybe you've rebelled against God by not tithing. And God says you're supposed to tithe. You say, I'm not doing that. You've transgressed. Maybe it's, uh, 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 you know you're supposed to serve God. And you say, I'm not going to serve God. Well, then you've transgressed, but you have to acknowledge that. In verse number 13, acknowledge uh, thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. That's where they would go and worship these false gods. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Well, I tell you, we need some Christians like never before that will just obey what God says. Uh, we, we've got to get back to this book. Joanna and I, we talk so much uh, with our girls, and it's amazing how with four girls, and they're all different. And not to mention the drama, you know, and not to mention that. And I can't wait till all four of them are teenagers at the same time. Y'all pray for us. But you know, we've, with all of our girls, we have said and we have agreed and we're on the same page with this, but that our children, they must learn to obey. And I don't know about your children, but ours don't like to obey. They would rather do their own thing. And it's sometimes it's not even big stuff. It's something very little, but they know and they don't want to obey. You know what that's called? That's called human nature. That's called the flesh. Nobody likes being told what to do. And if you say, oh, I love you, you probably don't. You're probably lying to me. <laughs> Nobody likes being told what to do. But every one of us, we must submit to the authority of God. We must submit to the authority of this book. We must submit to the authorities that God has placed over us. But they would not obey. Ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Verse 14, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Notice verse 15. Uh, this is so amazing to me. Is that although they're backslidden, God still looks down the road and sees what they could be and what God wants their future to be. He says in verse number uh, 15, and I will give you pastors. Now, we use the word pastor now as a spiritual leader. In the Old Testament, that word pastor was a shepherd or more of a, a government leader or a civ civil leader. But he says, I'm going to give you pastors. I'm going to give you leaders according to my heart. God said, I'm going to give you some leaders that have my heart and have my direction, and they'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. Verses 16 to 18, God promises his blessing in the future. And he said, I can't wait for you to return. And I can't wait for you to be restored. And I can't wait for us to have fellowship again. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm so glad that God does not give up on us. Can I tell you, if, if, if I were God, well, we'd have a lot of problems. But I'd have given up on a lot of people. Let's just be honest. I'd have given up on a lot of people, and so would you. 
But I'm so glad God doesn't give up. I'm so glad that God's mercy, you think there's no way God's got any more mercy for so-and-so. Oh, just watch. He's merciful. He's faithful. He is gracious. He is long-suffering. He is so loving and God is so kind and God is so, so, so generous and God is so much better to us than we deserve. Verse number 20. Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. I'll say this, that word treacherous, we already talked about it. It means to be deceitful. It means to be, uh, to, 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 to cover something, try to hide it and, and get away with it. Now, you may fool your spouse. You might. You might fool your children. You might fool your boss. You might fool your pastor. You may fool everybody. But I'll tell you one person, you're not going to fool and that is God Almighty. And God says, you've tried to deal treacherously. You've tried to deal deceitfully with me. He said, but you ain't fooling anybody. And friend, wouldn't it be so much better if we would just come clean with God? Just get right with God. You don't have to come confess your sins to me, but you do need to confess them to God. And I do need to confess them to God. And he knows anyway. Verse number 21 it says, a voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted the way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. They, they just forgot about God. They got so busy with everything else that they forgot the Lord. You know, I think in, I think in our society today, I think in our churches today, I think we've got a lot of wonderful people. I really do. I think we've got a lot of people that mean well. I think we've got a lot of people that if you asked them, say, do you love the Lord? They'd say, I do. Do you want to do what's right? They'd say, I do. Do you want to please the Lord and serve the Lord? I think they'd say, I do. But here's the problem. They're so busy with everything else that they have forgotten the Lord. The Lord's Day, remember when it used to be called the Lord's Day, Sunday? It's not the Lord's Day anymore, it's fun day. We used to, with our families, we used to have Bible and prayer, but we've just, we've gotten so busy. And I tell you, it's time we take the time and get back to God. The remedy for the backslider is to return to the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.